Hey everyone, I'm Ian. And I'm Sam. Do I like this, the podcast? I don't know why I just did that to the microphone, like, huh, it's because I can see myself in the video. <laughs> you have a new video option to record with, so some point down the line we get a Patreon going. You can watch us sitting on a couch next to a giant <laughs> improvised sound barrier. Yeah, let's not talk about that. So this is a unique episode. We're doing kind of a follow-up to our troll series. So we had mentioned in one or two episodes, I think, actually, uh, the documentary about Troll 2 called Best, Best Worst, Movie. Worst Movie. And so I told Ian, oh, you got to watch it. You got to watch it. It's really interesting. So he watched it. It was really interesting. Right. And then he said to me, oh, this, he was telling me about one of the scenes and I didn't remember it. So I went back and watched it too. And um, it's just as wacky as I remember. Oh my God. It's actually parts of it were disturbing, right? I think that's a good way to say it. So I think we wanted to do this little sidebar talking about this because we both were so we had so many feelings about the documentary it was quite possibly some of the most awkward situations i've ever watched humans in yeah okay i'm I'm gonna just start with a cat out of the bag so george hardy who played the father is kind of the central focus of this if you haven't seen it they're following him around he's a dentist in real life he's you He's know, real dorky. Real dorky real in an endearing dorky. way. Yes. And this is coming from two really dorky people. So I'm we not mean, as dorky as you are. No, but you're still pretty dorky. You can roll your eyes in the video all you want. I'm not wrong. Um, can we talk about your Stephen King collection? <laughs> How is that dorky, Ian? That's a sign that the you're level a dork you take and it. I'm not. Can we talk about your Lord of the Rings obsessions? It, that's called being a nerd. Okay. <laughs> There's a difference. Fair enough. I'm dorky. I am a She's proud, more of a nerd. out loud nerd. You're a fucking dork. Fair enough. <laughs> now that we've cleared that up, George is on my side of this fence as a as a proud member of the dork army. <laughs> and it's following him, like, hyping up the movie in his small town and then going out to showings of Troll 2 in different cities and... I don't it's a really weird movie because the beginning of the movie is like so obsessed with him and it's building success. It has some showings, it has success. He starts to get into well, hold on, hold on. what? I think that it's not clear from what you're saying, unless you've seen it, that the showings and the success are what, twenty years later? Yes. The the director is the punchable little boy. That I hated his oh, face. Oh, of the documentary, yeah. Yeah, so he comes and he says, hey, buddy, we're going to do some screenings of our movie, and you should be involved. It's super fun, because it, it's almost like a Rocky Horror Picture Show type cult following. Obviously not as cool or fun, but, you know, similar vibe. So George Hardy, the dentist, mm -hmm. had no idea can we and call him so, George Hardy the jacked dentist, to be yes, more accurate? Because the guy he is jacked. He also goes Credit through his him. whole regimen of his protein shake in the morning. And <laughs> it was difficult to watch because he was so dorky. So I want to say, George, 
A, we'd love to have you on the podcast because I genuinely enjoy you as a human being. I think your enthusiasm – I'm speaking to George for this next minute because yeah, he listens. Because he listens. Of course he listens. <laughs> to this dork and nerd. Why wouldn't he? Um, George, I, as a human who has this irrational level of positivity as well, I get it. I appreciate you. I love – you're sincere. He is sincere. He is. However, as the documentary goes on and they go to different levels of like Comic-Con type situations – if they're not paying enough attention to him, if the fans aren't paying enough attention to him, he starts to get real cunty. Oh, he really becomes very quickly involved with his he own has, fame. He has an easily bruised ego. Well, I, I learned that from when he has a dentist office with only attractive women working for him. And he he refers to, I, I my life is good. I have four attractive women working for me. <laughs> I was like, there's, there's uh, something there. So- for me, for me, any you know, maybe not you, but for me, mm-hmm. this guy is so nice and genuine, and he's all these things, but it's kind of covering up this sort of there's a darkness, darkness, yeah, absolutely mm-hmm. darkness that is underneath. And I think this documentary is kind of like, like scratching that surface a little bit because he starts to kind of like, once he goes to England, his little head out, it's a little disturbing. And he goes, so the timeline of this movie for those who have not seen it is he has, they're in the States first. They have some showings at venues in like Boston, Philadelphia, San Francisco. These are small, like three, 400 person venues and they're selling out. And there's a great fan base for this movie. It really, like Sam says, has a cult following. And they really build up, you know, Michael Paul Stevenson was the director. Um, George Hardy, obviously. A lot of the other cast and crew members were there for these two. They really build up this feeling that they think it's a bigger cult following than it turns out to be internationally. Because they go over to London for this huge movie comic festival. And no one there has a clue who they are. There's like two people who I think it's an old couple who got lost who are sitting at their like <laughs> speaking booth and they're talking to it. And the poor other guy who played um, one of the, the oh, boys the, who the, traveled the over with him guy. has Arnold. this look on his face like he understands what's going on. And instantly he's like, I've made a terrible – he has the Will Arnett, I've made a terrible mistake face. Yeah. Where George is still like, he's going out to try and yell at strangers. He's yelling like, who wants my autograph? Someone wants my autograph and no one wants his autograph. But but here's the thing. And it's painful. No, he's not saying it in a way that's like, oh, hey, who wants my autograph? He's saying it in a way that's kind of obnoxious. Like, how come no, like somebody here has to want my autograph because I'm so famous and beloved. And it's like, sir, you are wrong. (laughs) So that's, that's where... (laughs) So and th- so that's just the that's just yeah. one piece of this very bizarre amalgam of a documentary. Mm. And so his his you know weirdness is one thing, but then we get Oh, you're going to talk about some, this, aren't you? I'm going to talk about a few of them. Yeah. We get a few um vignettes I'm going to call them of other characters who have very, very significant mental health disorders, which are are really sad yeah. and really disturbing, frankly. And I think, to me, 
I don't know, maybe it's just because I'm a therapist, but those were the most interesting parts of the documentary for me. A million percent. Because it, because uh, listen, the whole point of a documentary is you're exploring the humanity or, you know, what makes something tick really. And these people underneath this bizarro freak show of a movie turn out to be legitimately unwell, (laughs) which is not surprising. And also really sad. So I'll I'll start with Don Packard, who played the, as I called him, general store owner who's about to eat that boy. I um, called him the father of the children of the corn. So <laughs> he was the owner of the general store. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about probably the most devastating reveal, I think, in this film, how he was in such a bad place mentally that he wasn't acting in this movie. Well, so to take that further, he said he had been in an institution. Mm-hmm. He had been committed and he was getting out on the weekends to film this movie. To film this movie and that he doesn't really remember filming the movie because he was so unwell and that when he sees it, he's disturbed by it yeah. because he's like ah, that guy is fucked up. Oh wait, that's me. And the only thing he does recall is how much he hated the little boy. And wanted to murder him. Yeah, and he was very honest with it. He's like, I'm surprised it didn't hurt someone. It's not funny, but it's it made it's me fascinating laugh. fascinating is it, what it was. It made me laugh because I thought the little boy was so punchable. And I felt guilty. Face. I felt guilty. Like, oh, God, I want to, like, like I hate a child. And I'm like, oh, good. I'm not alone. <laughs> yes. So, um, so. The institutionalized agreed with you. <laughs> so I just. Because the poor man is obviously still mm-hmm. not well at all. He like talks to stuffed animals and stuff, and he's but he was very sweet, yeah. And, and he was, you know, so they brought him to one of the screenings, and everybody lost their minds. They were so excited, and he was so happy. And so it brought this like joy to his life. And so that made that made me feel, you know, that made me feel a feeling, yeah. I was very <laughs> glad for him. And it yeah. was watching his part was really. It, it you appreciated the openness with which he spoke about oh, what he absolutely. had been through and yeah. how he reflected back on himself. And it was fascinating. And that's the kind of stuff when I watch a documentary, I'm like, to be able to see people be open about their struggles, what they've been through, mm-hmm. and to be able to reflect back is the human condition I'm interested in. Yeah. Well, so for him, I think that was more probably my most fascinating part of the documentary. I just thought it was really, um, it was disturbing. It was interesting, and it was also really lovely um, to kind of bring that joy into his life, which is so funny because we're talking about Troll 2, you know, the only film on this planet that has a popcorn lovemaking scene. Um, (laughs) That's so true. And so then... That we know of. Right. No one has corrected us, so I'm going with it. So that leads us into the next person with what looks to be a severe and persistent mental health disorder, um, the, I'm not diagnosing anyone that would be unethical, but the woman who played the mother, Margot Prey, she, so George Hardy and Punchable Michael 
drive up to her house with without calling or anything because George Heidi remembers where she lived because yeah. they used to drive to set together. So this woman First obviously off, before lived you even nearby. Go anywhere, that's creepy as fuck. <laughs> Well, listen, I have one of those memories, too. Like, I can – once I go someplace once, I can usually get there again forever. No, I mean, having that knowledge and then going, oh, we're going to do this and just yeah. show up with a documentary. Like, oh, I can't get a hold of her. Send her a fucking letter, dude. Like, don't just show up. Show up without the cameras on first. Yeah, so they show up with cameras rolling. Yeah. I, I feel like this, they ambushed her To hard. this woman's house where, like, the windows are boarded up looking. She has a giant sign in the front yard that obviously she paid to have made mm-hmm. that lists all the things that she does not want you to do when you come to her house. No trespassing, no soliciting, no wh- what Documentaries. Else? She, everything. This, this sign had, like, 20 things on it. Maybe not 20, but at least 10 things on it. Like, you know, don't come on my property, basically. Um, and then there was like a handwritten thing that she mm-hmm. had added to it. Like, oh, I forgot this, you know. Yeah. So they go up, they knock on the door and they're like, Margo. And so she kind of pokes her head out and they're like, do you remember, do you remember us? And she's like, uh, yeah. And then they're like, oh, can we come in? We're like filming a documentary. So she lets them in. But it almost, this part to me felt a little bit exploitive. Like, yes, very. Like I said, I felt like they ambushed her. And yeah. in hindsight, I if she had been given the advance warning, I bet you she would have pulled out well, before and the also, day happened. I don't think they, they cast, the light that they cast on her in this vignette, as I'll continue to call them, um, wasn't, it, it was really sad. I would have it cut was this. Almost, I would not have put yeah, this out there. It almost seemed. Um, out of respect for her. Well, it almost seemed like like maybe just had a tinge of mocking. Yeah. Um, the way that it was like zooming in on all the pictures of the cats in her she has just like cat posters well, and, and like a cat t shirt. That scene with them. Yeah, they were like they that's one of the things they did. They would like make the people reenact the scenes with them. So they had her reenact the scene and they're laughing and she's like, Oh, like are you la like why are you laughing? You're laughing at me. And they're like, no, we're not laughing at you. We're just laughing because we're doing this. And it's like, well, you know that she's unwell because they both are like giving each other the eye like, oh, this well, something's weird is happening here. And they're just continuing to persist with this line of like making her do these things and then talking to her about her um, her acting like, oh, are you going to oh, act God. like she's showing them her headshots and she's talking about her acting method. And it was. It was really, really sad. And they were cutting over to her um, older mother, who she Mm -hmm. takes care of, who had this look on her face, which I agreed with, of like, what the fuck is going on here? Right. She's like, I'm all set with this. She's like, I'm ready for dinner. Uh, Is dinner ready soon? Can they leave? Like, get them out of my house is kind of what it felt like. Well, and then at one point, Margo was talking to her mom and she's like, this is taking longer than I thought. And that's when in my head, I'm like, they're not leaving is what is going on. Right. It's, it felt, mean it did it felt mean-spirited a little twinge of mean-spirited and it made adult michael's face even more punchable well and then later in the movie so there we one of the things that's happening is george is trying to set up a showing in his town Mm -hmm. and then they try to do a gathering later on for the whole film bringing uh so some people from upright citizens brigade were working with them at one of the earlier showings and then they're trying to do showings of like movies at the special sites from the movie so they're putting one together and they're talking about all the people and then they mention like oh except for margo she's not showing up and like the way they speak about her 
I just, I really yeah, at thought one it was point, disrespectful and they should have just kind of left her o- alone. Right. And at one point they go back to her house Yeah, and she's like, uh, no, you need to leave. Like, we're not doing this anymore because I, th- I'm, I'm assuming that when she left, her mother seemed like she was all there. Yeah. And her mother was probably like, uh, they're not coming back in this house because that was awful. That was awful. It was like demeaning almost. It felt watching it was it was they were like demeaning her and she had no idea. And so it made me feel really like icky. And it was frustrating because, listen, people make fun of people with mental illness all the time enough as it is. So putting it out there in a in this sort of way was really frustrating. I thought they should have yes. left her out, like leave her out completely or just show br- a brief moment of her being like, I don't want to be involved. And you could have just left it at that. Yeah. It was, you know, I, I, I agree with you completely. Just, this part of the movie shitty. really. Yeah. So for the documentary of a whole, I thought it was fascinating to watch. To Margot, we're on your side. So then, so then it moves on to uh, the most narcissistic person I think I've ever encountered. Oh, God. Except for a <laughs> couple of people I've met in real life. Except for George. <laughs> Well, no, he's not really narcissistic, but no, I'm talking about like actual narcissism. No, I know what you mean. Um, the director, what, what's his name? Hold on. Is it Claudio something? It is. Claudio Fragasso. F-R-A-G-A-S-S-O. How would you say that? Fragasso. Fraga- Fragasso. Fragasso. Right. Claudio Fragasso. So Claudio and his partner, who was the screenwriter, I don't know her Carlo name. Carlo Maria Cordio. Okay. So. Maybe. Uh, yeah. No, I don't know. That's I, just I the next. Say, oh, sorry. Uh, that doesn't sound uh, right. Rosella Drudy. Yeah, that's it. Um, so Claudio, the director, and his partner Rosella, is, is that I say that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, they come over from Italy for one of the screenings, and they're being interviewed. Holy and shit! They think they made the best movie that was ever made. They legitimately really feel that way. They really feel like they made something incredible that Americans just don't get it. Mm -hmm. That, you know, they made a movie about people, which I like the concept. Mm -hmm. They said we made a movie about a family and people and their interactions with one another. And I'm like, that's not the movie that you put out then. I don't know what you're talking about. No, because what this movie was lacking was human interactions with one another. Right. There are no meaningful humor, human interactions in this movie, except for maybe the popcorn lady and third guy. Like, there, there's just not. There's just not. And the fact that he's saying this with a straight face and being so insistent about it and at later points when they're doing the screening and people are asking questions, it's a joke. Like people are joking, they're laughing, they're talking about different scenes and making jokes about it. He's getting so riled up. Yeah. He's getting so angry. He's yelling in all the languages that he speaks. Yeah. He's yelling. He's interrupting, insulting like he can't people. Stop. He just can't help himself because he really, from the bottom of his soul, feels like this is a very good movie. Well, and there was one point where Connie Young, who played the teenage daughter, was explaining the scene early on when 
her boyfriend climbs a ladder, breaks into her room, and they talk about the you're going to turn me into a homeowner. So, yeah, and she was one, explaining. Yeah, you and I had had yeah. talked about how that was like really. And so she <laughs> was saying that her and the the guy who played the boy. Um, had read the dialogue and it gave him feedback being like, this isn't how kids talk. Let's, we can, we have some suggestions to make the scene better. And he literally goes, I know how American teenagers talk. This Italian middle-aged man, mind you, talking to two American teenagers. Right. And would not let them change anything because he knew better. And that moment when she said that, I'm like, oh, this guy really is a, a narcissist who's a perfectionist who can't see anyone understanding the world right. well, that's, better than he that's does. That's like the the grandiose yeah. the grandiosity like I know Maybe. more than everybody. I'm the smartest in the room. You're all stupid. Listen to me. I'm the best. It made so much of this movie make so much more mm-hmm. sense to me. And looking at it, so we get interviews with everybody. We get interviews with people who played the trolls. We get interviews with all of the um supporting characters, the townspeople. Mhm. Everybody and everyone knows that this movie is terrible. Yeah. They know that it's a joke. They appreciate the cult status, but they know that it sucks. Yeah. It's it's fucking garbage, okay? Top down is garbage. But it's fun garbage that everybody likes to make fun of and to laugh at. And so you have to at on that level, if you're the director and screenwriter, you have to love that that's what your movie is. Yeah. Because at least people remember it, right? Well, and he says that at one point. He's like, yeah. hey, I made the best worst movie, which means I made the best worst movie. And I was like, oh, is he starting to get it? And then, no, he's not getting it. He's just trying to take credit for he's the best. Well, yeah. And so he's trying to twist it into yeah. into what his brain wants it to be because I'm it has to be. fascinated you know, to see something else, to look, go look. I haven't done it yet. To look at what he's made to see something else to he, see. He's only made like he's made a he's made a bunch of stuff, um, mostly back in the eighties and nineties, I believe. I don't mm-hmm. know if he's made anything recent. I was looking at I was looking him up because I was really interested in like, wait, is he really a, as accomplished as he says he is? And most of his movies are like B movie, not much acclaim. Um Troll Two is his biggest yeah. film. Yeah. And he, uh, out of all the people, I thought to myself, he was the most unwell in terms of, you know, reality. (laughs) You know what I mean? It just was really weird. So the documentary begins and ends with George Hardy, the dentist. And so at the beginning, he's regular old dentist going into the dentist's office. Happened to have been in this one movie one time that no, he thinks no one's really seen. Finds out people have seen it. Mm-hmm. Goes on this adventure. The movie ends with him in his kitchen again, making a protein shake back to his old self because... I think he finally realizes like this movie's not that great and it does have a cult status, but that can only take me so far. Yeah. Um, because he had, he had a screening in his town and like everyone showed up and people were like walking out and they were like doing that thing where, you know, when someone's like, Oh my God, what did you think? And you're like, Oh my God, you're such a Isn't nice my baby person. The cutest? You have such a sweet baby. 
Right. Like, oh. what a little gentleman. Yeah. Speaking around the truth. Yeah. And and you could tell some of them were like, I don't know if I trust you to, to clean my teeth, clean anymore. my teeth anymore. Well, no. And then like he was like on the way to getting people there. He's like ambushing his patients mm-hmm. in the waiting room. And you could see the look on their face being like, I, I just came here because I need a crown refixed and right. my tooth hurts. Can so you fix unprofessional. It? Yeah. If that was my dentist, I would be like, I'm out of here, dude. Like, I'm going to go drive two hours to find another dentist. My favorite part of this movie was him at the horror convention. Because, so after they went to Europe, they came back and did a horror convention. And it was a horror convention. It's exactly, y'all listeners, we're all friends and family here. We're, this is our world. It's a horror convention. It's got people dressed in costumes. It's got all sorts of actors who've been in, you know, it had a bunch of actors from nightmare of Elm street. One, two, three, four, five, six. Like it was fun. I would have a blast there. He was an asshole. He was also horrified. He was like, Ooh, ew, ew. Why are they doing that? Why are they dressed like that? And it's like, Oh yeah. He was shit talking uh, horror movies and stuff, which is funny. Cause he's now been in B horror movies after. And well, I'm like, yeah, he was like grossed out. Someone was dressed up as like a Cenobite or something. But it wasn't even one of the gross. It wasn't ones. even bad. No, no. I've it seen was just so like a dude worse. in leather with like his nips out. Yeah, and like come on, get over it, George Hardy. Seriously, fucking loser. So, yeah. So I think we really just wanted to come on and do like a quick review of that. And I think worth for me, watching if you've seen Troll. You, you need to see Troll Two. Do oh. not watch this standalone just from our episode. Go see Troll Two before you watch this. Yeah, it's really fascinating. It is. Um, it. It reinforces to me that uh, Billy Joshua, Michael... Michael Paul Stevenson. Stupid face Stevenson. Michael Punch-A-Face Stevenson. That he... That I still hate his face, and I think I hate it more. Um, Interesting documentary. Uh, The whole Margot thing really bothered me. Yes. And... um, uh, Go watch it. It was good. Yeah. We saw... I saw it free on Vudu, so it's definitely out there. You can get it. Uh, so I think the only other thing we learned, it's not in the documentary, but we learned in our research, they made a troll three. Oh yeah. With George Hardy. George Hardy starring? has reprises his father role in it. We may watch that down the line. I think I'm trolled out for the moment. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I'm very trolled out. We need to do a couple like years. Um, no, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, uh, there is, it's uncontrolled, I think. Something along those lines. It's it's out there. If you want it, it's out there. If you see it and we have to absolutely do it, send us a message. Do I like this podcast.com? If you can do get I like it this anywhere. Gmail.com. If, it's on Prime. You can watch it. Um, do I like this on Instagram? Do I like this pod on Twitter? All usual places. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. Are those all the places? Those are all the places. Find us in the places. Find us in the places. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Bye. Bye.